notice Peggy put her hand over her heart. Uh, people at Fairmont were well trained to put their hands over their heart when they heard about Waverly, Iowa. I, I uh, grew up there my whole growing up. My parents died there. I have uh, family in the area and uh, stay in touch with the uh, great class of 1968. Any class of 68 people from wherever you are here, where are you going to? All right, all right. So uh, I'm sure ours was the greatest class ever in America. Waverly became this great resource for my preaching while I was at Fairmont. I'm sure they had no idea that they were that entertaining. Uh, but they were. Every Friday for years I called my parents to clarify some story that I remembered, some character, some event. And uh, uh, a wondrous thing to continue to think through. I went off to uh, college at Iowa State University, which in many ways resembles NC State with agriculture and its vet school and its engineering. And uh, apparently I talked about Waverly with my dorm mates so much that they started calling me Waverly. <laughs> and in that nickname rich environment where nicknames were often body parts or byproducts, I was pretty well off. <laughs> but I remembered uh, my hometown with such affection. I, you know, it, it had, uh, I grew up a Methodist, it had all these great Lutheran institutions, uh, Lutheran Mutual Life Insurance, and a, a college, Wartburg College, and it had an orphanage that started during the Civil War, and uh, uh, had a carnation plant that made all the world's instant breakfast. Now I want you to think about that. All the world's instant breakfast. Which we were reminded of every little while when something went wrong with the filters and the whole town was covered in a layer of instant breakfast. <laughs> it smelled okay and when it rained it cleared up and I thought about that. It could have been worse. What if, what if that plant had made all the world's fertilizer for instance? So uh, I was glad that it was instant breakfast. Beautiful river ran through it, great schools, uh, athletics, musical life, civically engaged. Uh, my dad was the personnel director at a heavy machinery plant. My mother was an innovative civic leader. Uh, remarkable what, what she contributed to of that era. So my affection is deep. I eventually came to terms that there were 98 other county seats in the state of Iowa, and that surely they had at least something to commend them, as my hometown did. But I have a great love for that place. Jesus came back to his hometown. The uh, Gospel of Luke is something we read a few months ago. In that story, St. Luke tells us that it's just after uh, Jesus has, has left the wilderness, the wilderness of temptation. I was in Israel a couple of winters ago, and they point up the hill at the monastery and say, there it is, there's the Mount of the, underline the, there it is, the Mount of Temptation. 
sure how they know, but that's what they say. He's just back from there, filled with the Holy Spirit, Luke says, and, and uh, he makes his way to Galilee, which is his home region. And also a forgotten, ignored, even looked down upon part of Israel. One source says about 15% of the people in Galilee lived in caves or holes, homeless, we'd say. Very poor, very poor. Small villages uh, built around families, uh, very, very little economic activity, scratching out whatever living they could. That's home for Jesus. A little town of Nazareth. He makes his way home, and there's been a report that has preceded him. You can say his, his fame preceded him. And everybody's talking about Jesus when he gets there. On the Sabbath day, it says he goes to the synagogue, as was his and their custom. Now remember, synagogues are not the same as the temple. There was only one temple. That's in Jerusalem. That's the only place you could make sacrifices. People went once a year, maybe once a lifetime from somewhere in the world. Uh, generally, the Passover was the big one. Pentecost was big. Some other feasts and festivals were big. Uh, but this is a synagogue. This is, this is the answer to the diaspora, the dispersion across not just Israel, but the entire ancient Near East. And these were less like church than they were like teaching points, places where uh, people went to learn, to have a lesson. And uh, it is on such a day I don't even know whether there was a rabbi in charge who handed him the scroll. Scroll of Isaiah. And I don't know whether this was the appointed text for the day, like our lectionary, or whether Jesus kind of unrolled it until he came to that point from Isaiah 61 that says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed to go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's faith. He rolled up that scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and it was quiet. It's as if there was nothing more to say. It might have been the, the shortest teaching ever. If I were to read the text and sit back down, you'd say, well, that was one short sermon. We might get to the K&W before the Baptist after all today. <laughs> but it's quiet. And, and then in the silence, they begin to say, well, doesn't he read well? Isn't he well-spoken? Isn't this Joseph's boy? Whether Joseph is still around, probably not. They remember Joseph. Isn't this Joseph's boy? And then Jesus says to them, you probably expect me to, uh, uh, to do what the proverb says, doctor, heal thyself. Or you may expect me to, to do what I did in Capernaum. Is that what you're looking for? 
just like my hometown exceptionalism. The people of Nazareth have a sense of, of being singled out, of being exceptional. Not only because it's Jesus' hometown and they are rooted there, but because they're part of an exceptional people, Israel. And there it is. Jesus says, well, no, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. He said, you know, truth is, when, remember that time he says when uh, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And Elijah was the prophet. And there were plenty of widows in Israel, but it was a, a foreign widow, a widow of Zarephath, that God sent to Elijah to save him and thus also save the people. Or he said uh, there were plenty of lepers, people with leprosy in the land, when God chose Naaman, a Syrian, to come to Elisha, the prophet, and be healed of his leprosy. As you read on, it says, uh, when he heard this, all the synagogue was filled with rage. Rage is a, a particular level of anger. You may be familiar with rage. There it is. They jump up and they immediately start escorting or herding Jesus out to the edge of town. Nazareth is built on a kind of a cliff. They take him to the brow of the cliff and they offer to throw him off. And remarkably, the text says he walked through the midst of them and went on his way. Wouldn't you like to have seen that? How'd that go? Wouldn't you know that Jesus would use people like foreigners and women and widows and lepers and enemies to be the characters in his story and at many points the heroes. Oh, Jesus, what are you doing? In the words of Jesus, there is no hometown exceptionalism. Here is God at work. Yes, they are a chosen people, but only that the whole world will come to them. So I want to stick with Naaman. I want to sort through his story. Naaman Syria. This is the our appointed text for today from the Old Testament. Naaman is, is not only a Syrian, but he is the right-hand man of the king of Aram. Aram, which seems content as a neighbor of Israel to go on raids with some frequency. Uh, whether it was just mischief, or they wanted some supplies, or they needed to collect a few more people for slaves, it's hard to say. But listen to this text. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master. 
because by him the Lord had given victory to Aaron. That might be important. The Lord had given victory to Aaron. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now, that could have been a number of things, skin ailments, but it doesn't really matter to the life of this story. Now, the Arameans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife, and that is important. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Well, she couldn't wait to tell her husband about that. We pick up the story when it says, So Naaman went in and told his Lord, that is the king, just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. Now see, if you had a certain level, the, uh, the, the king level, that's who you correspond with in another country. He's not going to write a letter to the prophet. He writes a letter to the king, because surely the king is in charge of everybody over there in Samaria the old northern kingdom of Israel. Now certainly he will be able to order to have this done. <laughs> he went taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. That's a lot of stuff. You know, when you wanted to get the attention of another king, you could do a couple of things. One was attack. That always got their attention. You know, they must take them gifts. Give them stuff. And this is a lot of stuff. Ten talents. That's a huge measure of weight. I wish I had looked that up. A huge measure of weight. Silver, 6,000 shekels. Another measure of weight. Gold. And ten sets of garments. Now remember, we're on the, we're on the commander and king level. So this is not t-shirt and shorts. This is, this is something extra. And, and all of these are born, and, and uh, <laughs> the king freaks out when he gets this letter. Here stands this commander and his people. He says, who am I, God, that I can give life or take it away? How am I, a king, to, to cure this man of leprosy? And he, he tore his garments. This great act of, of, uh, of uh, well being really upset. And he carried on so much that word went out across the countryside that wherever Elisha was, Elisha heard about it. And he, he sent a messenger. He said, Oh, King, he said, Don't worry about that. I'll, I'll help you out. Send, what's his name over here? He's not named in his message. Send, send him over here. And that he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Well, so the king wipes his brow and says, yeah. And here they go. Naaman and lead with all of his servants. It says with horses and chariots, all these gifts. 
horses and chariots, that's military stuff. So the commander has taken some kind of uh, military group with him. That's how you travel when you're the commander. You don't, you don't travel light. You take them all with you. And they come to the house. they got good directions. They come to the house where Elisha lives. And Elisha sends a messenger out to this great commander. And the messenger looks up at him on the horse and he says, Well, sir, the prophet says that if you'll go down to the river, be the river Jordan, go down to the river and wash yourself seven times, you'll be cured. Well, the exceptional shoe is on the other foot. Naomi can't believe it. I came to see the prophet. And there's a messenger standing here. I thought the prophet at least would come out for someone the stature of me and wave his hand over my spot and fire off some holy incantations and and cure me that way. And he was furious. And he spun around to go, stormed off. It wasn't going to happen. But it's his servants, his slaves, that run after him. Say, wait a Sir, oh noble one, if the prophet had had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done that? And he must have thought about that thing because in the very next scene, the very next scene, Naaman is down by the riverside washing himself seven times in the waters of the Jordan. says he's turned off. He said, I saw that river on the way over. We got at least two rivers back home better than that. Abana, far, far, if I needed a bath, I could have stood there. Here he is, down by the riverside, washing himself seven times. And the story says he was made clean. It takes it another level. Says his skin was like that of a young boy. Wow. Once again, there is no person exceptional enough for the prophet to apparently come out in person and do what needs to be done, for it's part of a larger framework of the work of God that is for everybody. It's for a foreigner. It's for an enemy who leads these raids in and out of Israel. It's for an enslaver who takes back with him some of their people. It's for a Gentile, a non-Jew. And by the prophet, God heals even him. That's who Jesus names. The people knew all about that story and it enraged them yet again. 
we've just been through a, a week of American celebration, in many ways looking at our American exceptionalism. Oh, I watched the, the Carol King special the other night from D.C. What, what great talent. Good to see the Muppets again. Been a while since I was with the Muppets. Sesame Street probably. And again and again, we, we, we name these gifts of our country, but we, we have never looked in the eye what it is that we did to be here. Now, the Founding Fathers had a lot of it, right? Declaration of Independence, Constitution, First Ten Amendments, uh, and yet it was that, that 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment that began to move us past what it is that we had done with the, the removal of the native peoples and the enslavement for centuries of African peoples. We, we, don't, we don't want to look that in the eye. I, I hope it's not too late to, to look at that and say, yeah, that is part of how we got here. And we need to own up to that. You know, my hometown... I don't know that, and it could have been, I don't know that anybody had slaves. Uh, by the time I came along in 1950, a year later, I moved to, to Waverly. I don't know, I never heard of anybody in the area that had slaves, but there were none of the native tribes left in that area. The closest ones, closest one, uh, the Meskwaki had staked their whole livelihood on a casino. That's what, they, that's what they've done. That's how they now survive, how they subsist. So it is, it's worth reflection on that, to know that, what, what that's really about. But this 14th Amendment, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person, any person, any person, of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person, any person, any person, within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. We've got a ways to go. My favorite uh, version of America the Beautiful is uh, the one by Ray Charles. And I have tried and tried and not there yet. Tried to duplicate his Passion, his voice on my trumpet. I, in, the, in, a, in an upstairs room, I work on that a lot. To hear what he sings as a play. 
I really enjoyed Vanessa Williams singing that. I, I thought she really brought it. But I've been singing that for a long time. It's in the hymnal. Um, I'm getting up there. And I knew she missed the verse. The one where the tag says, America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. That seems especially apt in 2019. 243 years after our coming. I, I invite that to be our prayer as we ponder where we live, this great, wonderful place. I invite us to pray boldly that what we haven't done right will get right sooner. And later, let us pray. Oh God, our help in ages past, our help for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. We're thankful for your blessings that have poured out on, on us, we the people who have struggled and have been refined in every sort of way. We know our work is not done. It's an utter gratitude that we name your blessings for us. And it's in confession that we name the exceptionalism on which we have stood that simply will not hold up. May we be reminded of Jesus who shared even with his home folks that you, Lord, extend your love and grace well beyond the, the borders of that home place. May we know that yours is for, your love is, is for us, just as it is for the foreigner, the Gentile, the non-believer, the enemy, the marauder, the enslaver, all those whom we find wanting in their morals, their ethics. The Lord is at last exceptional of you to love us with all our flaws. May you mend them. May our liberty at last find its way into what guides us day and night. We are your people. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.